Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. Today we're going to pick back up in Exodus chapter 15. We're going to pick back up where we left off last week, which was uh, with the people of Israel. Remember, they are now on the western shore of the Red Sea after having miraculously escaped Pharaoh's army. And you know the story. Um, God delivered them miraculously. They miraculously escaped Pharaoh's army because God divided the waters and allowing Israel to go across the Red Sea on dry ground. They crossed the Red Sea. And uh, then after they were safely across and Pharaoh's army began to pursue them through the Red Sea, God allowed the, those walls of water to collapse and to destroy Pharaoh's army. All the horsemen, all the chariots, all of the men cut, uh, completely, utterly destroyed that pursuing force. And so last week I said that that event, the Red Sea, that it was um, maybe one of the most memorable events in the book of Exodus. And indeed, it's, it's one of the most notable uh, miracles in the entire Bible. I mean, if you ask somebody to name a mir uh, miracle from the Bible, you know, even if they have a cursory knowledge of the Bible, they might say uh, the parting of the Red Sea because it's, it's that kind of miracle that God did. And so with that kind of miracle, how many knows it deserved a fitting celebration, right? And, and that's where chapter 15 picks up. That's how it opens. It opens with Moses and his sister Miriam as they lead the people of Israel in a song, in a, in a celebration song on the banks of the Red Sea. It's a song uh, that is performed uh, with much joy and with much celebration because they have just seen God miraculously deliver them from the army of Pharaoh. So they're on the banks of the Red Sea. They're singing, they're shouting, they're celebrating on the shore. And this is actually the first song that is actually recorded in the Bible. And very possibly it is, it is recorded, uh, it was written by Moses because Moses actually wrote another song later in Deuteronomy. Uh, God gives him a song to write. And so it's possible that Moses actually wrote this, um, this, this song. But, but here's the deal. We're not going to read the song this morning because um, I'm going to encourage you to read it for yourself later. And as you read it, I want you, what I want you to do is I want you to imagine this great host of Hebrews. Um, how many is it? The Bible says at least 600,000, right? Not counting uh, women and children. So it's much more than that, maybe two, maybe three million people uh, on the banks of the Red Sea. Imagine this great host of Hebrews dancing on the banks of the Red Sea, uh, on the banks of the Red Sea, as they sing, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. It's a song of victory. It's a song of, of celebration. Um, and as you do that, as you read that, as you read that song later and you try to imagine that scene, I, I'd also encourage you to notice um, a couple of three things about that song that help us 
um, as we praise and as we worship the Lord. I'm just going to mention these briefly because I, I don't want to um, dwell here too long because I've uh, something else that I wanted to point out to you this morning. But I want you to notice a couple of things about that song. Number one, I want you to notice that it is it is God it is a God centered song. It's all, we talked about this last week. It's all about God. Amen. In fact, in 18 verses, God's name is mentioned 45 times. So it's not about me. I did this and look at this. It was, it's all about God. And so they give all glory and all honor to God. Number two, it was, it was participatory. It was participatory. Moses and Miriam led the singing, but the people, the Bible says, they joined in to the song. They were all celebrating. In fact, the mention of Miriam and the women uh, says that they were going, is that me? Is it my mic? All right, I'm sorry. It's, as I've said before, it's my magnetic personality that's setting it off, I believe. All right. Mir, uh, Moses and Miriam led in the, the singing. The people joined in. As, as Miriam and the women, the Bible says Miriam and the women actually went out with tambourines and they began to go among the people and they began to repeat the, the refrain. Sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. And, and the image there is that she is, they are encouraging the response from the people. Sing unto the Lord for he has uh, triumphed gloriously. In fact, uh, many have suggested that this was um, a sing and response kind of song that Moses and maybe Miriam, they lined out the verses that they had written and then the people responded with that, that same refrain. I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. So the image, uh, the point is, is that praise and worship is not just meant to, it is not meant to be performed. It's not for our consumption. It's not for our entertainment. How many knows? It's for our participation. It's for us to give glory and honor to God. Can you say amen? And then the third thing I want you to notice is that it is enthusiastic. It's enthusiastic. Now, before... Um, before you assume you know what that means, it doesn't mean that everyone uh, was dancing. It doesn't mean that everyone had a, a tambourine. It doesn't mean that everyone was demonstrating. In fact, it doesn't even necessarily mean that they were all physically demonstrative. What it does mean is that they were emotionally invested and they were spiritually engaged in this song. Amen? And so it's, it's not about the physical demonstration. It is about the investment of your emotions, your mind, your heart. It's about enthusiastic, actually, is a word that is, um, the root of it is in theos, in God, with God. It, it is a worship is about communication between you and God, that you are invested in giving God glory and worship and honor. And how many knows that's what worship is all about? And so Israel is Israel is on the banks of the Red Sea and they're celebrating and singing to God and the song and the celebration on the banks of the Red Sea was an enthusiastic demonstration of Israel's joy 
which, which was the direct result of their deliverance from God. God had just delivered them, and they are singing and celebrating joyfully um, in, in, in appreciation for who God is and what God has, has just done for them, that he has delivered them. So we don't know how long the celebration lasted. The Bible uh, doesn't say that. Uh, but what we do know is what happened next after the celebration. So I want you to look at, um, at Exodus chapter 15. I think we've got it on the screen, guys, verse number, beginning in verse number 22. <clears throat> so this is right after the celebration, right after the singing is done. We don't know how long that lasted. But afterwards it says, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days into the wilderness, and they found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. Or your version might say, showed him a tree. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. And then they came to Elam, verse 27, they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Now, what I want you to consider this morning for just a few moments is consider the difference that three days <laughs> can make. <laughs> the difference that three days can, on, on day zero, D-Day, on, on, day, on day zero, Israel is singing, dancing, celebrating. Um, they're celebrating the great miracle of deliverance that they have just experienced uh, at the Red Sea. On, on day three, they're in the wilderness. Wilderness there means a, um, could be a desert place, a dry place. It was a desolate place. So on day three, they're in the wilderness. They're weary. They're thirsty. There's no water. The water that uh, they do find, the only water source that they do find is un undrinkable. It's bitter. It's poisonous. Which means it was um, disease-laden. Uh, it would cause disease in, in their body. And so... They could not drink it, and so on day three, they're weary, and they're, and they're grumbling. What are, what are we going to drink? Who knows that sometimes life can come at you just that fast, can it? That one day you're singing and celebrating, and you're praising God. You're celebrating some victory, something that's happened in your life. Day three, three days later, you could, you could be weary and weak, dry and, and thirsty, and, and needing another miracle. How many knows that life comes at you so fast sometimes that it can, it can take the shine off of your sunny disposition rather quick, can it? Sometimes life has a way of taking the shine off your sun. It's like this picture of this little girl. Do you have that picture? You can show that picture. It's like this picture of this little girl on her first day of school. Have you seen this picture? <laughs> 
before and after. Right? <laughs> how many have seen that picture before? <laughs> how, how many can relate to that picture right there? <laughs> I can. That's, listen, here's Sunday. Before is Sunday. After is what? Wednesday. <laughs> Just three days later. In fact, in her, in her case, it was the same day because I mean, no, sometimes it doesn't even take three days for life to take the shine off of your sunny disposition, right? <laughs> um, it only took three days. You can take that picture down now. They're going to be watching that picture instead of me. So. Um, it, only, it only took three days for the people of Israel to go from enthusiastic worship and celebration to grumpy complaints. What are we going to drink? What, what are we doing here? Sunday to Wednesday. That's all it took. It's actually a, it's a pretty good argument for why you should come to church on Wednesday nights, right? <laughs> you need church on Sunday, you need church on Wednesday nights also. <laughs> but relax, I'm not here to criticize you this morning. I'm not, I'm not here to, to beat you up uh, because it happens to preachers too. Sometimes life comes at you and it just it takes the wind out of your sail, um, and it takes the shine off of your sunny disposition. We all have, ex here's the thing, we all have experiences that weary us and that, that wear us down. One day we may feel like we're on top of the world, and then three days later it may feel like we're under the world and that we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, and that's how, light, how quickly life can change. Sometimes, like I said, it doesn't even take three days. It can happen in a moment with just uh, one phone call. But what I want to draw your attention to this morning is what provision God makes for just that kind of dilemma. It, it is true that the people of Israel here, they grumble. Three days later, day zero, they're celebrating, they're worshiping God, they're having a great time, and then three days later, they're grumbling and they're complaining. So it's true that the children of Israel are grumbling here. And listen, um, this, this becomes a persistent problem among the people, as we'll see later. We'll, we'll talk more about that later. But it's, but it's noticeable here that God doesn't rebuke them for grumbling here. There's, there's no rebuke for their complaining and for their grumbling. In fact, Moses cries out on their behalf. He intercedes uh, for them. And the Bible says that when Moses intercedes, God shows him a log or a tree uh, that word can mean a, a tree or it can mean like the trunk of a tree, a big log. Um, so, so God shows him this tree, which he, Moses then takes and he throws this tree into that spring that is poisoned, that is uh, disease-laden, and the Bible says that the water is healed and that they're able to drink the water. By now, here's what I hope, by, by now I hope that you're beginning to recognize some of the um, types and some of the shadows that are contained in the book of Exodus. For instance, here, this, uh, this use of a tree or the trunk of a tree 
to heal a poisonous source of water is obviously it is a symbolic referral to something in the future, and that is what? That's, that's right, the crucifixion, the cross. It is, y'all are picking up, y'all are doing it, great. Uh, it, is, it, is a, it is a referral to something that's going to happen in the future on a tree when God's own son will sacrifice himself and through the sacrifice that Jesus makes on the cross, on the tree, we are healed of our sin sickness. Can you say amen? So this is absolutely, it's a symbol, it's a picture, it's a type, a shadow of the cross. Here God is illustrating to his people how he intends to atone for their sins and how he intends to heal them of their sickness, just as he heals this spring of water, this diseased spring of water, just as Isaiah chapter 53 says, he was, talking about Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Can somebody say praise the Lord? So this is a, a foreshadowing. It is a, a referral to what Jesus Christ will accomplish on the cross. But here, God graciously ignores how Israel had gone from singing his praises uh, one, one day to complaining about their problem three days later. In fact, he overlooks their grumbling and he hears Moses's prayer and once again he intervenes to miraculously save his his people and he did so in such a way that it foreshadowed what Jesus Christ would do for us on the cross so what's so what's going on here because there's more than just that that that's taking place why because why would God lead his people uh, into the wilderness? Why would he lead them into the wilderness where he knew that there was no water? Or at least that the only source of water would be poisonous and it would be bitter. Because remember, God never does anything by accident. God never does anything by accident. Um, he led them here to teach them a lesson to show them something that, that they needed to see. In fact, verse number 25 makes that clear because it says there, at that place at Mara, at that spring, there the Lord made for them a statue. There the Lord made for them a rule, and there he tested, tested them. Listen, God will never waste any experience in your life. I'm going to say that again, and you say amen, all right? <laughs> God will never waste any experience in your life. Amen. He'll never. I mean, sometimes we might wonder, what am I doing here? Why? You know, I don't understand what's going on. This doesn't make sense to me. But let me tell you, God will never waste any experience in, in your life. 
Um, good or bad, victory or defeat, blessing or adversity. Can I tell you this morning, class is always in session. God is always speaking. God is always working. God is always talking. Now, now listen, don't, con don't, don't confuse what I'm saying. God never wastes an opportunity. Um, that doesn't mean that we might not waste an opportunity. We, in fact, we might waste an opportunity. We, we might fail to pay attention to what God is saying or what God is doing. But wherever we, we are, whatever we're going through, God is speaking. God is working. God is teaching us. Even, listen, even the mistakes that we make, God is teaching us and showing us things. So God is teaching us. And what is God teaching us? He is teaching us about who he is and why we should trust him. Why we should trust him. In this case, what he's doing, he is demonstrating that whatever difficulties come, whatever dangers life may present, he is teaching his people that he is able to save us. No matter what, he is able to save us. Just three days ago, the people were, of Israel were singing about how great and how glorious their God was. But, but when you look at that, the words of that song, which you're going to do later, right? When you read the words of that song... What you'll notice when you look more closely at the words of that song, you will notice that the aspect of God's character that they were praising most specifically on the banks of the Red Sea was his mighty power, his power to wage war against his enemies. They understood because they had just seen it for themselves. They understood that God is, and this is a quote from their song, that God is a man of war. They knew that because they had just seen for themselves God destroy the army of Pharaoh. But now three days later, they're not facing an army anymore. They're not, they're not facing uh, armed men. They're facing, in fact, a very different kind of of danger. And here's what here's the point. It's not it's not apparent that they had the faith to believe that God could or that God would save them from this poisonous water. They knew that he had saved them from Pharaoh's army. We know God is a God of war. And all he has to do is breathe on the opposing force. So they had seen that for themselves, but they hadn't seen God heal a diseased spring. And so they didn't have that kind of faith. What God wanted to show them was that God wanted to show them um, that they could trust in him no matter what the danger was, no matter what the threat was. He wanted to show them that they 
could trust in him no matter what because he could save them from all sorts of troubles and from different kinds of threats. God is not only a man of war who is able to destroy his enemies with the wind of his breath, but he is also Jehovah Rapha, the God who is able to heal your disease. Whatever your need is, whatever your da the danger you face, whatever trouble you are in, God is able. Just trust in, in him. So we might think that Israel should have uh, already understood this. I mean, if they saw God destroy Pharaoh's army, they should have had the faith to believe. He's going to take care of them in the wilderness. He's able to give them water uh, to drink. So we think that Israel should have already been under, already, uh, able to already understand that. But typically, listen, um, typically we learn to trust God more as we have the need to trust God more. Do you get what I'm saying? Typically, that's how we learn to trust God. We learn to trust God more when we need to trust God more, when we are in situations where we have to cry out to God and see his power demonstrated in our life, which means, which often means, going from bondage then to release, and then from release to danger, but then from danger to deliverance, but then from deliverance to disease, and then from disease to healing, and then from healing to trouble, and from trouble to rescue. In other words, God teaches us to trust him not by keeping us from all adversity. Absolutely, he does keep us from some adversity. Don't we know that? We saw that already. But God teaches us to trust him not necessarily by keeping us from all adversity, but from saving us from all adversity. <laughs> we know that God is our healer because we have experienced God's healing in our body. How many know that? Amen? How many know that God is your healer because you have experienced healing in, in your body? Well, as, as hymn 391 says, some of you are saying, Which, what hymn is 391? As, three, as hymn 391 says, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I have proved him, or and or. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. God has, I can tell you this morning, God has proven himself faithful in my life. Has God proven himself faithful in your life? God has proven himself faithful in my life over many years through many circumstances. That means I'm not that old, but it does mean that I've been through some stuff. <laughs> How about you? Have you been through some stuff also? I'd, you know what I'd like to say? I'd like to say that in every circumstance, in, in every trouble, 
in every adversity. I would like to say that I was a model man of faith, that I remained unshaken, unmoved, that I never grumbled, that I never criticized, that I never complained. I would like to say that, but Irene's sitting on the front row and she knows the truth. <laughs> now y'all gonna rush up to Irene after the service and say, tell me, tell me some more now. Now I'd like to say, I'd like to say that, but I can't um, because that wouldn't be true. I've, I've sometimes grumbled and complained, but I can say this. Here's what I can say. God has been faithful. Time and time again, over and over and over again, he has shown himself faithful. Amen? Sometimes over and over and then over and over again, God has shown himself trustworthy. Amen? I, I know that I can trust him because he has demonstrated to me that he is trustworthy. I want you to know this morning, if you don't already know for yourselves, he is a great and he is a powerful God. And I will sing unto the Lord, for I have seen him triumph gloriously. Have you seen God's glory before? Then you should sing to the Lord and say, I have seen God's work in my life. I have seen what God can do. I have seen him throw the horse and the rider into the sea. I've seen him heal bodies. I've seen him deliver. I've seen him save. I can trust God because I know that God is faithful. Is he faithful, David? He's faithful, amen? I'm not always faithful, but God remains faithful. In fact, I think you need to stand to your feet right now and just lift your hands to the Lord and let's just bless the Lord right now, would you? God, you are faithful, Lord. No matter what we face, God, no matter what we're going through, no matter what danger, no matter what difficulty we face, God, we know that you are faithful, oh God. You are a good God. You are gracious and mighty, strong and powerful. And we bless you this morning, O oh Lord. And we praise you, Almighty God, for who you are. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, God. Glory to your name, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, O oh God. <laughs> You're a great God. You're a great God. Mm, thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. 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 Let's just wait on him for just a moment. Tell him you love him. Oh, we love you, Lord. <laughs> you have proven yourself time and time and time again, God, in our life. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And listen, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if your back's up against the Red Sea. But I don't know if you're diseased in your body. You need God to touch you and heal you. I don't know if it's you need God to deliver you from something. I don't know if it's you need God to speak peace into your heart and into your soul. I don't know if you need God to heal your marriage, to touch your kids. I, I don't know what it is that you need this morning. I only know that we go through things sometimes. Life comes at us, and sometimes it can take the shine off of our smile and leave us feeling discouraged and depressed and wondering, God, I don't understand. Why would you do that and then lead me here and do this in my life? I don't have explanations for that, only to say, God is faithful. And that if he helped you there, he's going to help you here. And if he did that for you, he's going to do this for you. And if he did it for somebody else, he can do it for you. Amen? Whatever it is that you need, God is able. And that's what he wanted to show his people. There in the wilderness, he took them out into the wilderness just to prove to them, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I delivered you from Pharaoh's army, but I'm not finished. Not only am I a man of war, and I can scatter my enemies, but I'm also the God who can heal you, the God who can touch you and deliver you from any disease, every disease. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.